0: welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to reintroduce to you now. Dr. Marielle Glant is a returning guest on our show. Be sure to check out her recent appearance on episode 429 of Balanced Body Radio. Dr. Marielle Glant, trained as an internist at Harvard and an endocrinologist at Columbia University, has more than two decades of experience in the treatment of diabetes and chronic disease. Several years ago, she discovered the growing low-carbohydrate movement, and based on what she was learning and observing, she had decided to change her approach to the treatment of diabetes. She is the founder and director of the Glant Center for Diabetes Care in Tel Aviv, which specializes in optimization of diabetes care through the use of a very low-carbohydrate diet. Dr. Glant is involved in clinical trials, actively publishes articles in medical journals, lectures in Israel and abroad, and teaches medical residents at Bronx Hospital in New York. She is also the co-founder of Eat Sane, which makes low-carbohydrate food products with no artificial sweeteners. Dr. Marielle Glant was a presenter at Low Carb Denver 2023 and did an amazing job presenting her talk titled Treating Diabetes Requires a Whole New Paradigm. Dr. Marielle What an absolute honor it is to welcome you back to Balanced Body Radio.
1: Oh, you're so sweet. It's
0: great to be here. It's so great great to have you back. I loved our conversation that we had last time. Again, it was a recent appearance and um, we got to learn about HK, your wonderful patient who had turned around all kinds of metabolic uh, disorders and uh, is feeling much better off so many medications. You and I were just kind of talking offline about how difficult it is to kind of contain the passion for sharing this message. And when I see your work, I can see absolutely such a passion of you just wanting to share this message with everybody.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we definitely share that because, you know, as we were saying, once you see it, you can't unsee it and you just want to, you, you, you want everybody around you to know. It's just that you kind of feel bad for most of the world that they don't know this, right?
0: Yeah, and they, <laughs> and they might they, not be ready to you know. They might not be ready and it's, it's tough. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it, that's true. It's true. It's, uh, it's, it, uh, uh, timing is
0: everything. Yeah. So definitely. We, we, uh, yep. It takes all of us and all of us have our part and we want to make sure that we're always just continuing to share it and, and, you know, keep the message out there so that when people are ready, they can find it before we deep dive into the content that we'll get into today. Honest question. Where in the world are you today? <laughs>
1: In the world, I am in Madrid, Madrid, Spain. <laughs> Great.
0: So you were in, in Spain last time. I believe you were also in Madrid. Have you been there for a while now?
1: Yes, yes. I'm, I'm here and we came uh, kind of an adventurous trip for a year or I don't know how long it'll be with my family. Um, it was a COVID decision uh, to kind of do something different, which it's kind of a long story, but uh, I can actually blame my sister for this because she's in California. And, my parents are Argentina, and we kind of all decided to meet here in Spain wow. for you know, for family reunion because I was coming from Israel. So, yeah.
0: are you missing Israel a- at all? Oh,
1: well, I go back all the time. Oh, I go good. like every six weeks or every two months at most. Gotcha. So I, I, I do go back all the time, but yeah, otherwise I would miss it. Yeah. So, I mean, the clinic is there and everything,
0: so. Yeah. Well, Uh, all of the places we've already just covered all sound like beautiful places. I've told you we've had record levels of snow here, and the sun's finally just coming out for the first time of the year. I'm very grateful for that. I've heard Madrid, the climate is absolutely amazing.
1: Yes, it's gorgeous. like super, super gorgeous right now. You know, it's like amazing. It's like crisp,
0: crisp, blue sky. It's great. Wow, that's fantastic that's fantastic yeah. so for the listener who is not familiar with you and your work can you remind us about your story and how you were able to find um, a, a different paradigm in the treatment of metabolic disease
1: um, yeah at the risk of kind of boring everybody again I I, I, I would just say that you know I was a regular endocrinologist for 20 years treating high sugars giving more insulin doing the you know we think is best for patients ran into a a couple of of uh, videos, really, by the Sarah Holberg, famous video, and started reading Jason Fong and my very good friend Jessica Apple had been fighting all along to listen up. Even though she she's not a doctor, she knows more than most doctors. So I uh, I, I ended up um, um, really finally saying oh, there is something really interesting here, and uh, and that just took me on this journey. I, I mean, I'll never remember, I'll never forget the, the, discovered this, you know, it was like, Oh my God,
0: I can't believe I've been practicing this long without knowing this. And it, it's, it's almost like a new career, to be honest. It, it must've been so wonderful to actually go from what we talked about last time, kind of managing disease and think you're doing the right thing by the patient versus what you're doing now, where you're actually seeing reversal. Was, was it difficult for you to learn the process of, of doing things like de-prescribing medications?
1: You know, maybe it was, but I don't remember it. I don't remember the process. It's it kind of all happened. I don't know. I I I think when I was very lucky that the first few patients were very receptive, so it gave me a lot of confidence to to do this because the results were so positive. And um, and yeah, I I, I don't remember the, the process of learning how to de-prescribe, but I guess I learned it along the way.
0: Yeah. So, so that's a message that you hear quite often is people will say, well, people are not willing to do this. The patients are not willing to change their diet. It's very difficult. It requires a lot of habit change. Has that been your experience or is, or is it more like you're describing in the beginning? Like more people are willing to do this. They just don't know about it.
1: Yeah, I know. I think a lot of it has to do with the conviction of the doctor. So if I'm looking at a patient and I say to them, this is going to help you. I'm 100% sure of it this is going to be good for you, you know, try it. Or, you know, I can give you medication. I've been doing this for a long time. I can give you either either way. I, I leave it up to the patient to decide. But I think almost always they choose the diet.
0: It's almost, very, very different. Almost. Yes.
1: Always. Wow. Or, yes. If they don't, they'll they'll go for medication plus diet, but it's very rare that you can almost, I can think of maybe one patient that said, I'm leaving alone I just want the meds. Like it's really rare. Most patients are willing to at least hear about it. they may definitely. It doesn't mean that they're gonna go all the way, okay? It doesn't mean that we're gonna, we're gonna go keto, but they're very open to trying. Once you put it in a certain context, which is why I think it's so important for the message to come from the doctors, mm. this is really really, really important because it, it the minute I contradict their primary care doctor, then the doubts start right so and it's very typical for that to happen um because um you know the, the I guess doctors still have some kind of <laughs> uh you know authority that the patient thinks that they should be listening to them so we you know um I try to phrase it in such a way that is that it's not blaming the doctor at all but kind of working with the doctor just kind of enhancing um the the, the doctors like taking care of the metabolic disease by giving say statins and treating their hypertension let's complement that by really treating the root cause and then you know, some you know try not to be too clashing, but if you're not too clashing, then you get uh, a lot of, of compliance.
0: Okay, so you're getting that compliance not only with the patients but also with their primary care doctors, or is is there has that been very difficult?
1: It was very difficult at first, uh, and then once the the patient the doctor saw the results, it actually I recruited those doctors. Uh, on board let's just say you know they don't necessarily practice the car but a lot of them have referred patients or they're comfortable with me being the uh, consultant for them etc so it's not I I think that um, once they see a case then they're more relaxed and then they're like yeah, yeah yeah go do that go do that program
0: That's really hopeful to hear that. That's really optimistic that doctors, you're finding that doctors are at least open to have that discussion. Um, I haven't found that as much around me, but that's, again, very optimistic that you're seeing that. And this ties in directly with your your new baby, as you described to us last time, Ona.Health. This is something you started Mm -hmm. recently to start to work with healthcare professionals. Can you tell us what your mission is with the company?
1: Uh, yes um you know our mission is for uh patients to be uh to to learn understand and undergo um the the change in order to be metabolically healthy we know as everybody says the eighty eight percent of Americans are unhealthy right this gets quoted a lot um so just about anybody can benefit from this um and it's basically uh It's 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 a service that helps the primary care doctor actually um, prescribe a low carb diet, so you can kind of like outsource owner health to help you as a doctor um, to um, to treat your patient better. Um, And we work we partner with the primary care doctors, and we are basically like a coaching service. Mm. So that that, that's really we kind of this is really where we're going. So. We are, um, we, we, we partner with a coaching service, but, but we are, we do have doctors in the coaching service. So it's, it's doctors, but we we don't really take over the, the care. We kind of just work with the primary care doctor to, to help them,
0: um, make the right decisions. Gotcha. That's fantastic. It's so cool that you're doing that. The, the story that you hear very commonly is that the medical system is set up to keep people sick so that they can continue to have a customer for as long as possible. Keep somebody sick, but keep them alive as long as you can so that you can have somebody continuing to use procedures and medications and that kind of thing. So in this model, if it's actually working, I'm assuming you're sending people home, you're getting people off medications. Is that going to be financially viable as an option for doctors to be able to pursue
1: well, I think that it is. Uh, we are, we're working on this uh, model right now. I think that it will be a win-win for the doctor and for uh, Ona for Health and for the patients. So, but, but uh, I, I think it's a matter of finding all the right alignments. There's no question that the more you dig into this topic, um, which is very foreign to me, the financial part of medicine, uh, you understand that there the really so many things are misaligned, and this is this is part of the problem. The incentives are not are not aligned, and so the patient ends up suffering uh, in the current system. So you know it, 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 we can blame so many players here from uh, I mean there's so many different groups are responsible for this mistake. For, for the way that this is made. So it's a, it's a real shame. And I, I think that ONAHelp does actually uh, align the interests of the doctor, the interests of the patient. And I
0: think uh, we'll hopefully be able to make mine. Yeah so, Great. Oh, that's, uh, that's yeah. So helpful. So you're also working with coaches with Ona help. Can you explain how that component works with yet? You know, kind of a coach as a go between, between the doctor and the patient himself.
1: Uh, yeah, actually, you interviewed one of the coaches for Ona Health uh, here. <laughs> uh, Tia Reed is one oh, of our coaches. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. <laughs> yes, she's starting to... She's, she's. I mean, we haven't launched yet, but we're getting ready. So um, so Tia will be one of our coaches. I think, for example, Tia is a great example of somebody who's been through a lot of you know, the, 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 the traditional medical system has been pumped up with many, 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 many drugs and had to go through her own of you know of, of thanks to many doctors, good doctors in the low carb space that, that helped her, Dr. Silas, Dr. Pada. Uh, and I know that they, they were very um, uh, wonderful in, in helping her uh, go through this process. And she uh she's blossomed into something that can, something amazing that can, a person who can really relate and empathize with other people, and this is what we're looking for. We're looking for people who can help mostly with the emotional part, because everything else we, you know, is very, you know, we will we will provide the diet, and the menu, etc. But the actual empathy is what I think is is the real key here, and the, and the and it is this coach that will take the patient through the journey, and there's a a, a chat that goes that's constant, you know, or ongoing. Um, the patient uploads their, their metrics and the coach answers as needed. There are also group meetings. Um, there's also daily content so that we can continue to learn at all times uh, and deepen our understanding because it's it's so different and it requires so much education. I believe that you know we see in our in our in, we, we launched already in Israel, we see a real big correlation between those people that actually watch the videos. And, and read the material and learn every day, and you know how well they do. Of course, they will only read if they're motivated, and so it's 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 not a causation. But you see how much we, we really see that the education is a, it's a big part of of getting into this because there are so many challenges, right? When you are uh, doing low carb, there's so many temptations, and it's really nice to have. Um, a community and a support system and, and, and an education to back you up. If you don't have that, it becomes much harder. Wow. So um, that's what, what we're trying to provide.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Now, are you sure about hiring uh, Tia? I don't know if she's like nice enough. She's really not that nice. And she's also so introverted. Like, I don't know if she'll be able to empathize with people the way you want. You sure that's a good call?
1: Uh, I think uh, I think it's hard to beat Tia. She's the best, really. She's something else. She's amazing. But we, we, we're working with some really, uh, uh, you know, we're growing a list of really beautiful, amazing people. So, anyway,
0: that's fantastic. Uh,
1: so, uh, I think uh, the coaching is is really key, but it is combined with medical advice. Okay, so we have doctors also that are advising on and, on how to, to advising not really not prescribing but advising um on how they would do things and um and you know we we have this pretty standardized you know Dr cukuzeella um I'm sure you, you know him maybe we talked about him in the past he's uh he's doing um you know he, we have it's it's published you know the prescribing protocol so it is better when doctors are involved but you know, in general, since we're deep rescribing rather than prescribing, um, that's more the goal
0: of the doctor here. That's fantastic. Yeah, Dr. Kukazela, another example, somebody who's just not very nice, you know, just really, <laughs> really hard to get along with. Okay. So when I, when I first became a nutrition coach, they offered a software platform that I could coach people on. And I was you know, somewhat familiar with low carbohydrate diets, but I took this certification that it's all about balanced meals, lots of grains, lots of fruits and vegetables. And, and so I kind of, you know, doubled down on my effort to, to coach people in that way and then give them habits where I could always coach up the habits and say, well, you're not doing well enough. Very similar to who you mentioned, Jason Fung, blaming the victim. It was really easy to to, to carry on coaching somebody because you could always blame them for not doing a good enough job. And the software coaching platform, it it was it was cool. Jason, Jason says the opposite, right? Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yes, blaming. Yeah. Hey, yeah. what we're yeah. what we're doing yeah. in the standard medical system is blaming the yeah. victim. Yeah, yeah. We, we give them terrible yeah. advice; <laughs> they can't follow the yeah. advice, and we tell them that they're the problem. Anyway, the software program would give people daily lessons. It would give them a way to be accountable. I could coach them through the software platform, and it was it was really well done. I would say I don't think the advice was great. But I had a really, really, really tough time with compliance. I put hundreds of people through this program and I had two people ever finish the year long curriculum that they had with me. So again, that's maybe not a fair comparison because I don't think this advice works very well for people, but how, what are you noticing as far as compliance? Are you noticing that people are sticking with the program? They're appreciating the coaching. They're actually like doing the work and taking the time to watch the videos and try the foods. Is that something you're noticing?
1: Um, you know, so far we see that the you know that most patients are renewing their, their subscription and uh and and are compliant. So we actually, as we speaking right now, our our group meeting in Israel is going on. You know, we try to be very hands-on. Uh I'm not there because the other people are leading it, which is is, is fun. <laughs> um, um and uh actually Slava, our amazing uh Chief scientist is beating it, um, so what we what we see is that you know there has to be a readiness for change. Okay, so that has to be there, and in a way, I think you can't force somebody. It's like telling people to quit smoking; it's not going to happen unless there's a desire for it. it Doesn't matter how much you you talk their ears off and try to explain all of it if they don't really have that. Click that trigger that something that that made them want to leave it so it's really important to identify what are the motivation what is the motivation for joining um and you know also to assess their degree of sugar addiction um and to understand you know what what uh what what they're looking to get out of it and also to understand that you know even if you fail on a boat that's a not the word that's appropriate here, but even if if you're not able to stick with the diet for a while, okay, you know it's not the end of the world. Nothing happens, and 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 it's not a punishment, and it's not you know you don't it, you you don't need to. It's not a grade, okay? You know you know, and the ketones are not a grade, and and you know it's really important to me that people view this as a journey. And sometimes you're going to be great, sometimes you're not. You know, I actually saw this morning a patient with type one who was doing fantastic for years and off insulin and fantastic for years. And now she had like a traumatic life event and she she kind of lost the diet. And she was like, all along, I, I felt like the the, the this, this diet, actually, I was almost like grateful for diabetes because this diet was giving me so much power is how she described it. And now I lost the power and I felt you know, first of all, she saw the beauty of, of being low-carb. But anyway, I was telling her, you know, this is, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Life happens and big things happen and you just get back on. And the sooner you do, the sooner you'll be able to deal with the life problems because it will give you the mental clarity and the strength. And, you know, sometimes they say just make your bed and you're not feeling well. Make your bed. Do one good thing in the morning that gets you going in the right direction. Well, I feel like the same thing with diet, like get back to the meat and eggs and, and veggies and soon everything else will get better. <laughs> you know, maybe it's of course oversimplified, but there is something to that. Um, to first, get, you know, so anyway, back to the compliance question. I think that uh, the readiness is, is the biggest factor here. But once they're on this track, I think... It's a lot of empathy, a lot. That's why, you know, Tia comes to mind again. It's a lot about a lot of empathy and community. And uh, not, not everybody wants to be a part of the community, but but um, it's, it's also something that um, it has to be individualized. But speaking of individualized, I think that the, the path is also what we're uh, studying now, how different patients need to be, how, you know, each one, there, there are different types of people that need different types of support. Some people want to be nudged all the time. Some people don't. Some people want to be SMSed uh, at 9 a.m. Some people don't. Some people want, you know, that we have to learn what that pers- person's journey should look like. And that's what we're trying to do. Yeah.
0: Wow. It sounds like a wonderful program. And I'm just thinking as you're talking about all of this, one thing that was missing from what I was doing at the time was the group support. And it's like you said, not everybody is going to choose to take advantage of that, but having that group support must be so important, not only to be with the coaches, but also other people that are in your similar situation. It's just such an energy that you can feed off of that. And it's so empowering to hear other people's stories.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it is. And, uh, so, you know, finding the right
0: balance for everybody,
1: um, is also important meaning that, you know, sometimes if you do too many group meetings, it's, it doesn't work. And so you need to spread them out more, et cetera. It's all, we're in a big learning curve. (laughs) Well,
0: that's great. You mentioned something that's so important too, that I really don't want to miss for patients to feel empowered It's got to be so important. And that's got to drive up the the compliance percentages of people sticking with the program. If you can show them that they do have control in a world where we are literally now telling people that obesity is genetic, that by age two, if you're showing signs of obesity, you can get nutritional counseling, a two-year-old. We can start to prescribe Ozempic at age 12. We can do bariatric surgery at age 13 because this obesity problem is so big and so important that we need to start early with drugs and procedures. It's not... In your control, it's genetic, so let's deal with it and get you on these prescriptions as soon as possible. I mean, <laughs> yes.
1: so sad, so so sad, just you know, devastating, really, you know. And and you know, this is what you know, what on health is about, you know, let's empower people to understand that the health is in their hands. Why not? <laughs> we know that this is so simple that it's almost ridiculous, you know, it's so simple. It's just that people because we're blinded by all the sugar addiction, we can't see it. So it's 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 impossible to uh to for for people to fathom that they have so much power. And you know, this is this is what we're trying to Get the message out, right?
0: That's what you're doing, right? Yeah, I'm trying. Yeah, absolutely. Now you are such an expert at explaining metabolic syndrome. Last time we talked, you gave us an amazing um, summary of insulin resistance and how that is. So, for the listener, if you haven't heard that first episode, please go back, episode 429. You did an amazing job describing that in a way that I feel like is very understandable for people. And and as I was reflecting on what we should talk about today, I wanted to talk about metabolic syndrome for sure, but I, I. feel like so often it's, it's like you said, since so many people have metabolic syndrome, it's almost, it's almost like harder to define what isn't metabolic syndrome what doesn't cause metabolic syndrome. So, so what in your opinion is metabolic health and how do we create metabolic health? What things happen that, that make our bodies run the way that they are supposed to?
1: Well, um, I think metabolic health, um, Let's see if I had to find one definition. Rather, um, you know, my my tendency is to go for the absence of, you know, <laughs> the absence of. I you know, I would say triglycerides less than seventy, HDL greater than sixty five. Uh, you know, I would go with the, the criteria of metabolic syndrome and, and, and negate them. Um, but really, you want low insulin levels, right? Because when you have low insulin levels, what you're doing is using energy very effectively and uh, and, and that's really what you want when you when you do, when you have low insulin levels and it may not just be the diet and of course exercise also plays a big role and sleeping plays a big role and being uh, a person that does, that's not too stressed out all the time it, it is, is these are all important components but the main component to me is am i able to get them, you know to use energy in a very efficient way if um you know one of the beautiful things about eating keto or eating a very low carbohydrate diet is that you are able to get much more atp when you burn fat versus burning glucose so you for for every every run of the you know the citric cycle, you and the electron transport chain, etc. You, you get you get you a, get a more bang for your buck, right? So I think that you're gonna you're going to um, just have you know let's put it this way: if we if we look long term, right? Uh, recently, I've been looking at the at the regulators of longevity, mTOR and AMP kinase, and the sirtuins. And how actually insulin affects all of these three things. You know, you don't want high insulin because high insulin is going to work in the wrong direction as far as uh, their, its influence on these regulators of longevity. And actually, ketogenic diet, for example, makes more NAD, which uh, boosts your, your sirtuins, for example. You know, so there. It, it, you know, it's, it's kind of a long-winded answer, but what, what do I define as, I think I'm going back to insulin, low insulin. Low insulin for all of these reasons.
0: And this is where I would refer the listener to your website, where you have beautiful curves, where you show the different macronutrients and how they respond to insulin. When you consume carbohydrates, that the, the, the carbohydrates you consume are going to be converted into glucose, you know, cleaved off into glucose. It's going to end up in the blood, where the insulin is going to be pumped, so that you can stuff, you know, all, all of that, that carbohydrate into storage. And you see this big tall curve and a big sharp crash. With protein, it's much more muted. With fat, it's hardly anything at all. Do I have that right?
1: Correct, correct. So if you're constantly eating carbs, your, your insulin peaks are high all the time. And then, you know, what ends up happening is that you have high insulin constantly and you lose that very critical balance between storage and using. So once you've done that, you have a high fasting insulin because why should your insulin be high in the morning? You know, so if you have an insulin higher than five, you know i already don't like that okay i like insulin low and and the, the lower it is the more metabolically healthy you are okay?
0: sure yeah and so okay so carbohydrates non essential in the diet but probably just fine in the diet if we were still eating the way we've always found them where they're going to be extremely regional they're going to be very seasonal you're not going to get them for a very long time they are you know designed in our bodies our bodies are designed to get you know fat. When we eat them, we're supposed to use the fructose and add fat to the body to prepare us for a winter time when we're not going to see those. Do I also have that correct? Is it's not, it's not fair to blame carbohydrates. It's fair more to blame the availability and and non-seasonality of carbohydrates.
1: Um, I would, I would go further. I would say that it depends on the carbohydrate. Okay. There's a really big difference between, you know, a potato and High high fructose syrup. Okay, so there's there's a really big difference in how it actually behaves in the body. So the word carbohydrate, kind of, it's an umbrella term that contains a lot of things. But out of all of them, I think the fructose is doing a lot, a lot of damage because it doesn't. We don't know how to regulate fructose. It's not it's not regulated like glucose is, and because of that. It acts actually like alcohol, okay, and and it's something that we can eat, but it's not necessary, and it's something that can only be metabolized by the liver, and it's something um, that in the end ends up harming us because we we can't we can't really regulate how much comes in, we don't have any hormones that regulate fructose Um, consumption, fructose consumption. So, but I would say that the What makes this whole story more confusing, okay, is that the seed oils are, I think, in my mind, equally um, to blame for the insulin resistance. So while the carbs are easier to explain, you know, you just the high insulin peak, et cetera, I think it's actually it's not the carbs. It's just that you have to eliminate the carbs once you have insulin resistance. You have to eliminate all of them. Okay. But you have to, in order to get there to insulin resistance, and I think you need at least the uh, you know the fructose and the and the seed oils together. This is what what really is leading, leading to to a sickness.
0: Yeah, interesting.
1: So if you look at the Chinese, yeah, what do you got there?
0: Uh, so oh, so I was just going to say we, I got this book as an advanced copy from Chris Kenobi we're going to have him on the show for a second time the ancestral diet revolution and he writes all about seed oils and he's he's so good he taught himself to be an amazing public speaker so that he could go around to conferences and like be a presence and like get his message across he's he's a wonderful human being and this book all about seed oils it's, it's pretty convincingly making the case that like it's not necessarily the carbohydrates it's more the seed oils and one of the benefits of a low carbohydrate diet is by just the sheer nature of lowering the carbohydrates that you eat, you're definitely going to be lowering the amount of seed oils that you eat too. So it's, it's, it's interesting. It's cool speculation to say, you know, what, what is actually the cause of this, but you can eliminate pretty much all of that by doing a low carbohydrate diet. You don't have a lot of seed oils anyway. Right.
1: First of all, Chris Kenobi is amazing. And I, I had him as a guest at, at uh, in the Metabolics Conference in Israel. So I, I, uh, I know his work and <clears throat> he sent me a copy of the book as well. So I uh, cheer, you know, kudos to, to him. To, I really hope he get, is able to get his message across. Um, the thing is that, uh, yeah, he he shows really, you know, that, you know, what happens when you have a well formulated diet, as Steve Finney has labeled this, a, you know, well formulated ketogenic diet. When you do that, you eliminate the C oils, actually just by definition, because you're eating real fat. So when you do that, that makes everything, you know, you, you get rid of the two things that are causing the insulin resistance. But again, I go back to the fact that once you have high insulin, if you eat a potato, which is only glucose, it will st- still turn into fructose and get you in trouble. Okay. So it, it, this is the work of, of Rick Johnson and, and it's, you know, what we see, remember at the conference we heard him as well. So good. And it was so good. Phenomenal. And and so I think that the key here is that you must also eliminate the carbs in order, all of the carbs, in order to, to reverse disease. But you don't necessarily have to reverse all, take away all the carbs if you're trying to prevent, as long as you don't have the seed oils and the, and the fructose. This is my my... Uh, understanding after eight years of being in this field you know in the field of low carb, this yeah. is where i finally i think this is this is really what makes the most sense mm. because yeah. if you look at you know just look at the chinese right they they or many many indian cultures actually they eat a lot of carbs but it's not until you throw in the fructose and the the seed oils that everything goes haywire Interesting.
0: That's such a good point. Okay. So on that note, you, you can come on our show and trash carbohydrates or fructose anytime. I don't consume any, I know you pretty much don't consume any, so we can trash carbohydrates whenever there is a movement in the carnivore space now where people are consuming animal-based diets, but they're adding in a, a, a pretty asinine amount of fructose in the form of fruit and honey into the diet, like hundreds of grams a day. Does that make you a little bit nervous?
1: Yes, it does, <laughs> but I mean I couldn't do it on my patients. Okay, if you're a complete, you know, healthy, exercising an hour a day, two hours a day, three hours a day, surfing, whatever, and you and you can afford that because your insulin level is so low, then fine, no problem. But my patients can't get away with that, okay, because they they have sickness, they have diabetes and and insulin resistance that's severe. So if I do that, I will instantly, re- you know, revert to sickness. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't think we can be doing hundreds of grams of, of fructose. Yeah. I don't. I think you can, you can, um, maybe you can. You have a lot more flexibility if you're a healthy person.
0: Mm, Gotcha. Okay. So that was kind of my issue. Yeah, yeah, no, good point. That was kind of my issue was the was was with the advice was that the people hearing this are not that person that you're describing, they are people who have a sugar addiction, maybe they just got past that sugar addiction. And now they're hearing advice to eat lots of fructose. Well, that's just going to start everything right back up. And I know tons and tons of people who have followed that advice and gotten totally, totally derailed and sidetracked. And it's really tough. So so okay, is that the caveat, though? Like if somebody is very healthy, and they're moving a lot, they can eat that much fructose? Or is it still to some extent going to not be a great idea?
1: I mean, you know, like I said, uh fructose is is uh, I, th- I think you know I, uh, fructose turns into fat when is it when you're when you've eaten more than you should have. I don't know what that number is I, you know uh, the 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 dose makes the poison, right? I think uh, Gary Cobb said talking about fructose it it depends it you know a little bit. Is not going to kill you, but if you're one, I, in my opinion, you're already insulin resistant. Stay away from it. You know, I prefer you have a potato than. than well, let me think. What well, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's it's. I no, forget the potato. <laughs> I, it, I I I just think you know there's so much. It's so easy to get it wrong. Okay, you you can go. It's so easy to, to cheat and or to eat carbs unknowingly that to, to, to say I'm going to eat carbs, I just feel like you're going to overshoot like crazy, you know, because if if you're in the real world, carbs are everywhere and they're going to creep in everywhere. So in the real world, you're already eating carbs. What are you fooling? You're, you know, you're just, it, it's not, there's no, what are the percentage of people that are out? Actually, eating 100% carnivore for months on end—it's very, very hard. Okay, so carbs always creep in. Uh, even in in people that I know that are very, very strict, they still once in a while carbs carbs happen. So to plan for more carbs, you know, if indeed um, you know you are extremely healthy, then go ahead—you can have carbs once in a while. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, but I don't have a problem with that. From the get go, you know, if you're extremely healthy, and your insulin levels are low. Have food, have have some some carbs. It's not going to be the end of the world. Just don't have the seed oils. <laughs> and, and and don't have a, a lot of symptoms and then you will prevent sickness. Mm. You know, my grandma is 101, and, uh, and she's, she's awesome. She's amazing. Talked to her yesterday. She's like playing cards, and she's um, like really unbelievable. And I, and I think that the key, you know, when I look back and I I am asking myself, what is it about her? You know, besides the fact that she's an extremely positive person, um, I think, you know, she has always eaten real food. So it's, it's, it's so much of it is about avoiding the processed food. This is like 99% of it.
0: Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. That's so cool about your grandma. Definitely don't want to play cards with elderly women. They are card sharks. They're really, really good. They run the table on you. Um, my grandparents are in their nineties and you know, they're very active. And, and my grandpa rides his bike every single day and they're not on any specific wow. diet, but they eat real food and they just keep it at that. And they, they recognize that when they were growing up, they had some fruits and vegetables, but it was very seasonal. You couldn't find fruits and vegetables in February around here. It's, it's cold and snowy and they knew that. And you know, they, what we would consider maybe, weird things like sardines and all kinds of stuff and they're very healthy and it's it's not a particular diet they're on they're just eating real food so i love that i think that's wonderful advice just to stick with whole foods wherever you decide to go there so i feel like we've done a really good job defining metabolic health insulin has to stay low let's focus on consuming fats and proteins to be able to give us the the building blocks and good clean energy that's going to burn clean in our bodies let's try to reduce the carbohydrates to as low as somebody could tolerate especially if they're manifesting signs of metabolic disease. So let's talk about metabolic syndrome. How is that defined? And what are some of the, I guess, how is it? What are some of the diseases that associate with metabolic syndrome?
1: Okay. Um, so metabolic syndrome, uh, called syndrome X, uh, at first, because they, you know, X is really the insulin, right? It's the the elephant in the room, but uh, it should have been you used in the name, but unfortunately it wasn't. Um, it's defined by high triglycerides, low HDL, increased waist circumference, high sugar, and um, high blood pressure. Okay, so these are the main components. When um, you have these, when you have three out of five, then this, they call it metabolic syndrome. Okay. Um, the issue is that it is associated with just about every chronic condition. Just about every. I mean, it's hard to exaggerate here, um, or because really, uh, wherever you look, okay, you see that having persistently high levels of insulin, which is one of which is the definite, not the definition of, but there meta- is. In- Let's just say that in metabolic syndrome, you always have high insulin levels, okay. And what happens here is that it's a derangement of uh, and of how energy is used in the body. And what we see is that cancer is increased um, in a dramatic way in when in any case of insulin resistance, because I mean through different pathways, but don't forget that insulin is a growth hormone. Cancer, uh, is, one, is one, but uh, cardiovascular disease it, uh, and strokes and Alzheimer's, and these are the big ones, but then there's so many others. Okay? There's so many others, and aches and pains and autoimmune diseases and and, and literally just about everything. <laughs> I mean, it is rare to find a disease that you can't find in association with uh, high insulin levels or uh, uh, metabolic syndrome. You know, metabolism, I'm not necessarily saying it's the cause, but it will always make things worse. Yeah. So it, 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 its presence just exacerbates and accelerates
0: any disease process.
1: Mm. Um, yeah.
0: One, one that I'm hearing a lot of that's becoming really persistent and hopefully more people are at least talking about it. So they're aware of it is non-alcoholic fatty liver syndrome. Hear that a lot. And we're seeing it in like teenagers. So we assume they're not, you know, alcoholics at that point, but they're still getting this terrible disease. Can you explain how that's also related to metabolic syndrome?
1: Yes. Um, so remember we were talking about the fructose becoming fat, okay? So it, part of that fat accumulates in the liver. Now there's never ever supposed to be fat in the liver, okay? The liver stores glycogen, but it ships out the fat to be stored in fat cells. And fat needs to be stored in the fat cell. And when it's not... And it starts to spill over into many other parts, like, for example, the liver. So when we when the liver is overstuffed with fat, or whenever there's fat in any organ, it renders that organ incapable of doing its job properly. So the liver doesn't, instead of, you know, liver, the liver responds to insulin by uh, taking up glucose from the blood into into the cells of the liver, okay? And take it, it's like, it's like a, one of the sinks of of glucose and converts it into glycogen well when the liver doesn't work well actually because of the the fat that's in it the liver now starts to pump out glucose instead of instead of responding to insulin and shut it and what and sorry like you know what what insulin brings in the glucose but when what i'm saying is now instead of bringing in the glucose it actually spits out the glucose. Okay. So it, it just it's like resistant to the insulin now. Okay. Any organ that has fat in it becomes insulin resistant. Okay. So look at muscle, same thing. When there's fat in the muscle, it's kind of like it's over, there's too much energy in the muscle. So the muscle starts to be insulin resistant. You know, this is through various more complex mechanisms. But but bottom line is fat in the liver, fatty liver is actually Almost like a sine qua non, like you you need it. It's what leads to insulin resistance. Although I have to say that not in, in, in when in the studies, I'm always I always think that 100% of patients with diabetes are going to have insulin resistance. I'm going to have fatty liver, and I'm sure they do, but I just haven't seen it in the papers being 100%. Okay, so I can't say that. But to me, it's like if it, you probably have it, but you just don't see it. And by the way, fatty liver, 50% of the time, you don't see an increase in the in the liver function test. So for sure, you don't see it in liver function tests. but even more sophisticated tests like abdominal ultrasound, you, I think you, you might still miss it. And there are other more sophisticated tests as well, but you can have fatty liver and not see it on the LFTs and the liver function test and not see it on abdominal ultrasound. Interesting. So.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So you explained in your talk at low carb Denver, how dangerous that ectopic fat is. And it it's not, it's not inert. It's not just sitting there. It's actually actively doing things that are quite harmful. Can you describe that? Sure.
1: I mean, fat actually is a very active organ and we didn't know that we thought it was like this white blob, but actually fat secretes a lot of cytokines and these cytokines are, uh, in, in many cases, just causing the inflammation. That that is also part of insulin resistance. So, um, and you know, once you activate the immune system, um, this is uh, a very bad thing for for health. Yeah. So, you know, you want the immune system quiet. You want the immune system chronically quiet, and to act properly in the case of an acute infection. But what obesity and and fat ectopic fat does is that it it causes um, like a chronic low rate inflammation, which is not welcome. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You had so. such a passion about writing about metabolic health during the pandemic. Do you still believe that if we were to focus a little bit more on metabolic health, we could have had a much better outcome with the COVID-19 pandemic?
1: Absolutely. Instead of giving donuts to our volunteers, we should have been getting everybody, you know, <laughs> We should be getting the whole country on keto, really. You know, I actually uh, do do have like a booklet that came out that's called "How to Eat in Times of COVID," and then we did this with the nonprofit, uh, which is uh, all dot org, and you know, we try to get the message out, but that really didn't go far.
0: Yeah. Well, I would just tell you as a piece of advice, don't put that book too far off to the side. The COVID-19 pandemic might be over, but there's surely going to be other ones to come. And that information is going to be very, very valuable. So don't, don't push the book off too far away just yet. (laughs) Okay. So it was only a dollar on Amazon.
1: The point was to, uh, to help, uh, you know, to reach the masses and, and, you know, get people out there to know that there's something they
0: can do. But that's amazing of you. That's so cool. So well, I like
1: the, the Jessica again. She's, she really is, uh,
0: the driver, the driver there. That's amazing. Okay. So this is all not looking great. In my episode with Tia, I, I made sure to ask her like, okay, you're telling me that carbohydrates are addictive. If that is true, if carbohydrates are addictive, then we have a huge problem because I can leave my house and within three minutes, I could find 15 stores that can sell me sugar, whatever sugar I want in so many different forms. I told her like even my hardware store, as you're going to the checkout is full of sodas and candy bars like that, that. That's not looking too good for people, but tell us about the things that you've seen with people with these very severe chronic diseases, being able to reverse them and get out of this situation, like the fat that you're describing around the liver, can that be dealt with and burned off and gotten rid of? Or is that something that that person's going to have to live with?
1: No, of course we can get rid of it. That's why we're working so hard, right? Because we we want people to know that they can reverse this. Now, here's the catch. In order to burn fat, you've got to stop eating carbs, okay? Because if the minute carbs come in, you're going to burn that first. So the only way to burn fat is to really get the carbs out of the picture, and this is all you need to know. Once you get that, okay, you start, you know, you start getting rid of that fatty liver, and actually, the part that comes out first once you start burning fat is the ectopic fat. So it's actually not that hard to do. It's very easy to do if you stop eating the carbs. The thing is, like you said, they are addicted and they're everywhere. So it requires a lot of mental work to try to keep this very, very, um, you know, very focused and very um, just like you have to be like a horse. You have to be very, very self-confident and very, um, you know, surround yourself by the people that are going to be supportive and not bring you down because a lot of people are going to want to bring you down <laughs> and a lot of people are also going to be skeptical and and even even if they do support you. So it takes a lot of, this is why i'm talking about the education all the time because you need a lot of uh, you know you need weapons and arms to to fight uh the the people that are going to bring you down. So to get, to to go into that supermarket in a way you have, and, and and you you have to first of all shop only in the outside aisles, right? And stay away from the middle, hundred percent, and 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 look food actually as more of the thing. You know, I sometimes I look at these packages and I'm like, you know, what is this? Right, it has nothing to do with nutrition, zero. So this is part of
0: your relationship with food has to change in order to get over the addiction. So. Yeah. Well, and, and it's tough when you're in the position that you're in or the position that I'm in. I forget all the time what my process was like. I mean, I had read, you know, uh, Nina Teichel's amazing book, The Big Fat Surprise, before I got my nutrition certification and kind of unlearned everything and started recommending grains and fruits and vegetables to everybody again. You forget that it, it's tough. It's not easy to make this transition. It is a process and, and people need time and patience and people like Tia to be able to help them along when they need help. And I just think it's so cool what you're also doing with eat sane. Can you tell us about eat sane and what your goal is with that?
1: Yes. Uh, eat saying I call it, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's about my rule that the, the, best is the enemy of the good, because, um, eat saying, uh, started when I was, um, I was maybe a year or two into, um, into treating patients with low carb and the patients were all the time complaining that the one option for bread that was low carb in Israel was not tasty. And, and they were making the bread at home. They were spending all this time trying to figure out how to, you know, how to do that when they didn't have any time for cooking, et cetera. So it was born from my clinic by, by, uh, one of my patients, um, and his daughter had type one diabetes and, and, um, it's a, it's a long story, but but to make a long story short, we, we started making uh, keto products uh, with no artificial sweeteners because I, I couldn't find things with no artificial sweeteners, uh, which I'm trying to get people off of the addiction, right? So if I put in a ton of artificial sweeteners, then I didn't do much for them. So eat is basically low-carb food with no artificial sweeteners. Um, and therefore, it has a tiny bit of sugar Okay, or maybe a tiny bit of real carbs, but it's just enough for it to not to. It, it's it's very very little, um, but uh, it actually you can eat like a type two diet, type one diabetic can eat um, without injecting, like two slices of bread or have our chocolates or you know various products without injecting. It depends. Sometimes you can't, but because sometimes like for, there are a lot of almonds in these products. Um, so anyway, over the years I became more and more of a purist so, um, you know I find it hard to, you know you have to personalize this so for each thing, I I think that if you're the kind of person that can do, that cannot do the diet and without bread then I will say, you know what then try it saying. but my first choice is actually try it without because you, what you really want to do is break that um, that red dependence. And what, so first I think it's, it's, that's why I call it, um, you know, it's, it's when, let's see, I don't know what the right word for it is, but basically it will help. It's, it's very helpful, um, for people who who want to do a low carb diet and maybe don't have the motivation to go all the way hardcore, um, or for pe- those people who just want to eat, you know low carbish or healthy and don't want uh the 30 grams of glucose that come with the two slices of bread so instead they get four okay so it, it's it's a real big help so again the best of the, of the good, enemy of the good i i i found that it's important to remember that when treating patients yeah so
0: it sounds, so, like a, yeah. it sounds like a great tool. It It is effective in helping people as a bridge to kind of get off of that kind of stuff eventually.
1: Yeah, for many patients it is, exactly. It's, you know, when you start this diet, you tell somebody you can't have bread ever again, it, it might be very scary. But if you say, you know, start with this. But it depends. It really depends on the personality. I prefer to start colds with key.
0: Yeah, I do too. Um, it just doesn't work with everybody. And we have to be pragmatic and give people other options because I, I, I see it oftentimes, as I, I don't know about you, but I see it mostly with women and the taste for meat and animal products in particular. When somebody's maybe transitioning from standard American diet, they're eating way, 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 way too low protein, but they don't have much of a taste for it. It's difficult for them, even if it's fish or chicken, to eat more. They kind of don't really want to do it until they start. And then it starts to transition. It gets easier for them to eat the protein. And then they start to build a taste for red meat too, where maybe the texture wasn't great or wasn't craving it. All of a sudden they start craving steak and they can't even do chicken anymore. That's just kind of a natural progression in taste that I noticed. Do you notice the same?
1: Absolutely, absolutely, especially true for vegetarians. I find that eating is really helpful for the vegetarians, you know, because it's very hard to do a, a low-carb diet if you're not going to eat animal products. And so slowly they're able to add more and more animal products. Um, but the bread gives them a really –
0: good bridge. Absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. Well, it's cool that you're doing that. I would kind of feel the same way that like, you know, I, I I want you to use this product. I don't want you to use this product forever. I'd rather you do whole foods, but we need to keep in mind that we need to make this easy for people. And you're certainly doing that. I absolutely love your passion and your ability to communicate clearly some of these, you know, really complicated things in a way that we can understand and appreciate. So I just love your work. I'm so grateful for you that you had the time to come on our show today. We know you're very, very busy with lots of things going on, but can can you tell our audience one more time where they can go to find you to connect with you in your work?
1: Um, well, our at GLANT, C-O-I-L slash E-N is the GLANT Center, which is where um, uh, you can read about the treatment, what we're doing. And ONA.Health is the um, our new, our new in, initiative. Um, and... Uh, and uh, yeah, it's on adult health. So, um, you know, come check us out and come, uh, you know, get involved. We'd love
0: that. Excellent. We will definitely so, link to all of that in the show notes again, Dr. Marietta Glant, thank you so very much for taking time to be on our show today. We know you're very busy, but we'd love your message much. and, and again, to have you clearly communicate with that has been just such a joy. So thank you so very much. I hope to see you again in another low carbohydrate conference very soon.
1: Great. Thank you so much. It was such awesome. an honor to
0: host you. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio. Thank you, as always, so very much for listening to Boundless Body Radio. We really have such a passion for this work and for sharing our message. I've always said this, and I still believe it, that if I were to win the lottery today, that I would still show up for all of my clients and continue this work starting at 6 a.m. next Monday. It's just really a joy to be able to work with people and share our message and to be able to share this message with people all over the world, be able to interview all kinds of different doctors and researchers or just everyday people to share their stories and literally inspire hundreds of thousands of listeners to our show. Last year, we decided to start our Patreon page, to be able to share premium content for a subscription fee, which included private coaching, early releases of our podcast, which was unedited, and also my special project of making the Boundless Body Radio premium podcast, which is basically the highlights of all of the hundreds of episodes that we have done, all condensed down into a masterclass of a particular topic, including different macronutrients and also ketogenic diets. The subscription model uh, really wasn't exactly a smash success to say the least, but I did put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into those episodes, and and i'm really just not that comfortable with them sitting around behind a paywall when they could be out helping people so we have decided to terminate our patreon page i will be releasing all of the content that we created for the boundless body radio premium podcast on our normal show Boundless body radio for free so be on the lookout for that in the coming months and be sure to leave any feedback that you might have. If you enjoy them, we'd really love to hear from you. They were really fun to make, and I really enjoyed reviewing all of our content to create them. But like I said, if they're not out there helping people, I'm just not really okay with that, and I really want them to get out and help. So remember that you can always book a free complimentary 30-minute session with us on our website at myboundlessbody.com. We've really enjoyed connecting with people all over the world to discuss all things health and fitness, and so feel free to do that and take advantage of that. And as always, thank you again so much for listening to Boundless Body Radio.